Live from Nashville, Tennessee, it's Dawn and Steve in the morning. Good morning from Moody Radio. Today is Monday, which means Michael Radonik is here to take your questions. The number to call or text is 800-555-7898. That's 800-555-7898 to ask your question of Dr. Michael Rydelnik. He's one of the deans at the Moody Bible Institute. Uh, he's the host of a ton of books, including your 50 Most Important Bible Questions. He's the host of Open Line. He's a professor there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could go on and on and on. But he's we're gonna, a dean. Uh, exactly. We're going to get right to uh, your questions here in just one moment. But, Michael, as uh, we begin the conversation last week, as we were kind of wrapping up the week, we, we did uh, acknowledge that it was Holocaust Remembrance Day. And that was one of the uh, things that we were happy to be talking about. But I'm sure that uh, you have some some thoughts and reflections on why it's important for us to actually take the time to remember the Holocaust. Well, the, obviously, the reason the UN picked that day uh, for Holocaust Memorial Day, there's a Jewish one. That's the normal one that that uh, we use in our family for remembrance. But the UN picked this day to show what happens when anti-Semitism is unchecked and unresisted. It leads ultimately to genocide. Hmm. And what I find amazing is that on that very day, uh, there was a terrorist attack in Jerusalem where innocent worshipers on Shabbat were shot down by someone on a murderous rampage. Now, going to Israel is safe usually. It's, it's, I think it's much more dangerous to go downtown Chicago. Uh, but, but nevertheless, that's heartbreaking. And of all the days to pick to carry this out on Holocaust Remembrance Day, uh, I think it's, it's significant that we recognize that today, one of the most serious forms of anti-Semitism today is hatred of Israel. Hmm. Uh, the one nation whose legitimacy is constantly being questioned, not just by Palestinians, but by people all over the world, is Israel. The one people being denied the right of self-determination in the minds of others is Israel. That's driven by anti-Semitism. Hamas, uh, the terrorist group based in Gaza, to this day is calling for the genocide of all Jewish people. So uh, the hatred of Israel could ultimately lead to another genocide if we do not resist it. That's what I think is so serious. Dr. Rydelnik, don't you see just the enemy and the spiritual battle that Israel is the country that's constantly being barraged with the lack of legitimacy that the world wants to give it? I mean, talk about Ephesians 6. Man, that's... Yeah. Yeah. You know what I think is so interesting is Psalm 83 talks about the basis of uh, hatred of Israel And there it says it's because the nations hate the God of Israel. Hmm. And the way they express their hatred to the God of Israel is by hating the people of Israel. And I believe that that's a a psalm indicating what's going to happen at the end of days when all nations gather against Jerusalem. That will happen one day, but the Lord will deliver his people. Hmm. And so as we think about the persecution that Israel is under all the time, how would you encourage the church to be praying for Israel? I know we're, we're called to pray for peace in, in Jerusalem, but how, how would you encourage us to be in prayer right now? Well, I, I was really struck by that terrorist act, because people were saying, how do you feel about this? And I thought, 
I have been neglecting my responsibility, the call to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. When we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, we're praying for everyone that lives in Jerusalem, Jews and Arabs alike, Israelis and Palestinians. Also, uh, we're praying, Jerusalem is the capital of Israel, we're praying for the peace of the whole land. And also, Jerusalem is the capital of the Jewish people, not just the capital of the land of Israel. And so we're praying for the Jewish people. I think we need to pray for the Jewish people specifically to experience peace on the ground as much as they can, but also to experience the Prince of Peace, that they would come to know the Messiah of Israel, and also that that others who live in the land would come to know the Messiah. I think that the Prince of Peace is the only source of peace that they can find there, and that the only way to get people to ultimately uh, uh, reconcile is when they come to know the Lord Jesus. He is the Prince of Peace. And so I, I, there are a lot of people working in the land, sharing the good news with both Jews and Arabs. Those are the people we need to be praying for, for opportunity, for effectiveness, and also we need to be praying uh, for wisdom for their leaders to carry out uh, good policies to bring peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, salvation of so many there mm-hmm. uh, as yeah eternity hangs in the balance every day for each one of us I know you've written a, a blog post about this and we'll get this up on our Facebook page Don and Steve in the morning you mentioned having a weary heart over all this can you mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that well I, this is interesting I was having a conversation with a uh, my friend, who's the dean of students at Moody Bible Institute, we were together as families, and he asked me what my favorite movies were. I was telling him, Eve was telling him, and uh, none of them were Holocaust movies. And he said, I was surprised about that. And I said, well, we kind of lived the Holocaust. We don't need to watch movies about it. Now, I didn't go through it, but my family did. My parents, I had four uh, half-brothers and a half-sister who perished at Auschwitz. Uh, so it, I was raised from the earliest age thinking about the Holocaust, and I had hoped that anti-Semitism would become an occasional aberration mm-hmm. and not, as I was growing up, not a normal experience. But as time has gone on, I see that hatred of the Jews, this great conspiracy theory, just persists, and uh, people will find every reason to hate the Jewish people. And I think that's what I get weary of. I just... Uh, I, I just can't believe that it persists to such an extent. Yeah. Well, we certainly, as you did a moment ago, remind us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, to pray for Israel, and hope that uh, even our conversation, as brief as it is this morning, will encourage each and every one of us to do just that. Um, when we come back in just a few moments, we're going to continue the conversation with Dr. Michael Rydolik and take your questions about the Bible. Do you have a Bible question? We've got uh, Sherry and Eunice. Your questions are on deck. More questions, uh, welcome at 800-555-7898. That's 800-555-7898. Call or text. Thanks for listening to Dawn and Steve in the Morning. Remember to find us on Facebook. Just search for Dawn and Steve in the Morning. Oh, and we love to have your questions. We certainly appreciate the calls, the texts. We're going to get as many in as we can for Dr. Michael Rydelnik. Heather, thank you for calling in from Fort Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I know you have a question for Dr. Michael Rydelnik, and we're going to get that to him here in just a moment. Heather, are you with us? Hi, yes, I am. My question is, my little brother 
recently died of a fentanyl overdose. He -hmm. was a Christian, and everyone is using the words, well, he's in heaven now to comfort me. But in the Bible, I read that the dead will join Jesus first when he returns in the sky. So I want to know, where is he? Thank you. Thank you. Well, we're very complex beings as human beings. And by the way, let me just say, I'm so sorry yes. about losing your brother. Yeah. What, how heartbreaking that is. Mm. And what a crisis this is in our country about fentanyl. And uh, I am grateful that your brother knew the Lord. Uh, what Paul said, well, here's what we need to know. There's an immaterial part of us. That's the real me and you. We are spiritual beings, the, the mind, the heart, the soul, the, the spirit, all those terms refer to the immaterial part of us. And then there's the physical part, the material part, which is our body. And what Paul says in Philippians 1, uh, he says, if I live on in the flesh, the material part, this means fruitful work for me. And I don't know which one I should choose. I am pressured by both. I have a desire to depart and be with Christ. So the idea is that I'll die and I'll go to be with the Lord, which is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for you. That's why he says, for me, living is Christ and dying is gain. So right there. And then in 2 Corinthians 5, Paul also talks about this dichotomous nature of people. And he says that absent from the body, when, when our immaterial part leaves the body, it's present with the Lord. So the real us goes to be with the Lord, just like Lazarus went to heaven and was being comforted by Father Abraham immediately. Now, what is First Thessalonians 4 talking about? It talks about our bodies that look like they're sleeping. He uses the term uh, that the dead in Christ or those who have fallen asleep will go to be with the Lord, that uh, at the rapture, the dead, their bodies will be raised first, and then those of us who are alive and remain will be caught up. And so what's happening there is a unification of the physical body with that immaterial part. That's what's going to happen. So it's not like they're sleeping uh, the whole time from death until returning to their bodies. In fact, it's very interesting. There's a little statement here in 1 Thessalonians 4. It talks about uh, that those who have died will... Uh, will go to be with the uh, will be resurrected but here's what it says since we believe that Jesus died and rose again in the same way God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep through Jesus so the imagery there is when the Lord Jesus returns he brings with him the immaterial beings who are with him like your brother and at the same time though their bodies are resurrected and they are reunited at that moment. Hmm. So that's that's what happens. Heather, so uh, appreciate your phone call yes. this morning. And uh, like Mike Michael said, we're so sorry mm-hmm. for the loss of your brother, but grateful that he is with the Lord right now. If you've got a question for Dr. Michael Rydolnik, 800-555-7898 to call or text this morning. Eunice has uh, texted in, Michael, and this is coming from Revelation chapter 3, verse 7 is where the question is coming from. So I'll give you a chance to uh, flip in your Bible there. Mm-hmm. It's uh, in, in the 
part of Revelation where John is writing to the churches in, in um, seven different churches there, and this is addressed to the church in Philadelphia. And it says, write this letter to the angel of the church of Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who is holy and true, the one who has the key of David. What he opens, no one can close. What he closes, no one can open. I think uh, Eunice's question is this key of David thing. What What is the key of David? The, the key of David uh, refers to authority, authority that resides in the house of David as king. And so it refers to the authority to make decisions to, to act as king. And the Lord Jesus is the heir, the scion, so to speak, of the line of David. He is, think about it, in Romans 1.3, in 2 Timothy 2.8, Paul always reminds them when he says the gospel, he includes that Jesus is the son of David according to my gospel. Uh, so the, Jesus, the Lord Jesus' authority as king comes from being the heir of David, and the key of David is the authority. I, I understand what this means only because I recently became dean, and uh, I you know I had a lot of keys to different buildings and rooms at Moody, but then I got this key, and I said, what is this one? And they said, it's the key of the dean. It opens everything, and it can <laughs> lock everything. And I thought, oh, being dean gives you authority and gives you a key to open and close, and that's what it represents, the authority of the king. It's based on uh, Isaiah twenty two twenty two. I will place the key of the house of David on his shoulder. What he opens, no one can close. What he closes, no one can open. Yeah. That's uh, someone that was representing the king, but nevertheless, it shows authority. Michael, so I uh, appreciate you taking the time to uh, answer questions this morning. Wish we could have gotten to all of them, mm-hmm. but we did not. If we did not answer your question this morning, we're going to save that for next week. So uh, make sure that you're listening then. And know that just about every Monday at this time, we are taking your questions about the Bible with Dr. Michael Rydelnik. So maybe you come across something in your own study of Scripture and you're wondering, what in the world does that mean? Well, write it down, save it, text it in on a Monday morning, and uh, we're, we're going to discover those answers together. It is Don and Steve in the Morning on Moody Radio. She brings the sparkle. He brings the chill. It's Manye Hooray with Dawn and Steve in the Morning. Oh, it's 27 minutes after the hour. Here we are on a Monday getting it all together. Try what? to, anyway. <laughs> hey, I'm just speaking like... Hope and truth over our Monday. Getting it all together is like the goal, right? It is the goal. It's unfortunate when it comes around 10 a.m. <laughs> right. I know. By the time the coffee kicks in, right, wait a minute. We, we got three minutes of the show left and the coffee's now finally working? No, that's not okay. I wonder if that was similar to what was happening to me Saturday morning. I'm. Oh, yeah? It sounds oh, like goodness. there's a story here. There is such a story here. So I'm looking. I have a credit card that we use especially if there's something that I want to put a bigger purchase on and it's all because I want the points. Sure. It's a, it's an airline flight card and I want the points for it. So I was looking at the balance and I was alarmed. I wasn't expecting the balance and I go running into Ben and I'm like, Hey, do you recognize this charge? There are two charges from this particular group and it was letters like three letters Okay. And I look it up, and what's funny about it, it okay, I'm trying to decide if I, I can share it. It's UAS was the, the three letters. 
And I'm like, I don't recognize these charges. Do you? And he's like, no. So I look up UAS and it comes up an FAA, like flight administrator, whatever, dot gov, which was interesting because Ben had spent some time recently looking at like drones and what it takes to fly a drone, et cetera, et cetera. We were just, you know, he was just curious about some of that stuff. And I'm like, did you, did you click on anything? Did you buy a drone? I mean, what's (laughs) going on here? And he goes, no, that's weird. I took nothing. He said, I read information, but never. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to have to call the credit card company. I get on the line. I'm like, Hey, listen, the charges surrounding this, yes, but these two charges, no. And he goes, well, it's um, the guy on the other end said it's um, it's an accounting service or something. I'm like, yeah, I know. I have no idea what you're talking about. This is this is not us. And he's like, okay, no problem. We'll report it as fraud. Everything else looks right. Yes, sir. He said, I've canceled your cards. We'll send the new ones. You know, and I'm like, hey, negate the e-wallet because we found out the hard way that yeah. frauders can... Yeah, uh, their e-wallets update automatically when the new card is issued. And he's like, yes, I'm looking at that. That's not what this was. Got you. Thanks for calling. (laughs) He mentions while we're talking, there's an 800 number associated with the charge. And the little light bulb went off, very dim little light bulb went off in my head. So I hang up and I'm like, you know, maybe, just maybe I should call that 800 number and see what it says. Well, of course, it's a phone bank. (laughs) Basically, I get the gist. This is a student loan lender. Okay. And then I remembered that we had paid off, again, with that credit card so we could get the mileage, Uh a student loan for one of the kids. And and he's paying us back. So just yep. in case you're wondering for a name, no, it, all those <laughs> conversations, I'll just lay that to rest. Um, but we had totally forgotten. And then Ming goes, because he had made the call to pay, pay it off. He goes, oh. Now, in his defense, he was sick all weekend. So thinking with a cloudy brain, but he said, I'm so sorry, I didn't register. I said, oh, no. Like sometime last week, sure, I knew that. And when I saw the balance, it registered. But by the time I was looking at the balance again, uh, it was gone. So here I canceled this credit card. And, so did you have to call him oh, back? Oh, I totally called him back uh, immediately. Yeah. I said, hey, I called within 15 minutes and canceled the card and said that was fraud. Um, I'm kind of embarrassed, but it's not fraud. Those are our charges. He's like, it's totally okay. Thank you for calling back. Yeah. We'll let the lender get paid. It's it's fine. What I can't do is reverse that cancellation of your credit card. I said, nah, that's fine. It's okay. But please just know. He goes, I do wish that that businesses or whatever would give more of a description right. than three little letters uh-huh. that tells you nothing. I'm like, yes, right. It's their fault. They should have. Exactly. <laughs> We're putting it back on them where it should be. <laughs> If you would have just given me more information, but yeah, I go back to Don, if you would have called the 800 number first, you would have figured that out. You wouldn't have panicked and canceled the card. Alas, lesson learned. Well, you're not the only one who uh, learns lessons in those manners. Hmm. I think probably all of us can um, think of a time in our life where we're like, yeah, jump to a conclusion probably a little more quickly than I should have and Took some steps that maybe I didn't need to take. 
Could have slowed the roll on that just a little bit. Yeah, I'm going to guess all of us probably have a story along those lines. It is Monday, and we're glad that you are with us on this Monday. Don and Steve in the morning here on Moody Radio, and hope you had a good weekend. You know, it was a busy weekend. Busy weekend for, uh, in some ways, for our family. It's not that we had, like, tons of unique or special things to do, but it was a, a time where we kind of, well, it was just one of those things where you want to spend time together. And and I came to this point over the weekend of being like, I don't know what to do mm. with the way my schedule is beginning to shape up. Oh. And at what point is enough enough? Or too much, too when much? When does it get to be too much? Ah. And that was one of those things where I'm like, okay, now what do I do? Mm. With all of this. Yeah. It'll be interesting in the days ahead to see it. Because I know you and Susie and you'll sit in that and you'll pray about it and you'll seek the Lord. And I think the hardest part, though, is when you realize, okay, honestly, this is the thing. Or if something has to go and you identify it, let's put it that way. If we'll put that little qualifier on it. Yeah. If something has to go and you know what it is, then going ahead and pushing it on out the door. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Yeah. Now you can go away off the calendar so that you can still focus on the main things, the main things. But it's very real. I mean, I know because part of it's service at church. Sure. It, it, that's exactly right. And and one of the things that I have tried to be very intentional about is because my weekdays are, are long and busy and mm-hmm. full, you know, mm-hmm. after we're done with the show and the work that we we do for Moody. I actually work with a couple other ministries and spend the afternoons working with them and doing things. And that that allows my wife to stay home and to be mom and to homeschool the kids and do all those things. So like God has has provided for us in just this wonderful way, which I'm super grateful for. So I've tried to then protect the weekends. I mean, I see the kids every day, but not as much as I would like. So on the weekends, I'm like, okay, weekends, protected, time with family, doing stuff around the house. I'm really trying to be intentional about that. But then as we also continue to want to serve our church, then there's a meeting that pops up here and a thing that happens there and all these other things. And they're all good things. Mm -hmm. And I want to model for my kids it's good to be involved. It is good to serve. It's good when you see a need arise to be able to step into that and to say, no, I'm going to, I'm going to give back and I'm going to serve the body in this way. And at the same time, then I get the dad, what happened to weekend time? What happened to after, after church, we come home on a Sunday afternoon and, and it's, it's family time and we're spending time together and we're doing this or on Saturdays, you know, it, we, we have that kind of, th- and so now all of a sudden I'm like, okay, living in the tension. I knew that was coming. <laughs> right? I knew that was coming. Living in the tension of how do you balance all of that? That super valid question. Some would say, well, you just don't serve in the church, which I don't think that's the answer because like you said, you wanted to model for you, for you, for the kids. I also think, though, like about the model of the church that we've developed here in the United States and how busy serving the church can be. And is that the way the Lord said it? Because discipleship was the call, right? Go and make disciples, which you have two little junior disciples in your home. 
And so that's the main call. Yeah. What does it look like to make a disciple? Does it mean going to a meeting at church? Does that make a disciple of Jesus Christ? I'm, I live in the same tension. So, brother, I'm not saying, yeah. I, like, this is not Steve. Does that make a disciple? No, I ask myself the same question because the, that tension is very real to me, too. I grew up at a church with a family, especially my grandparents, that served well in the church. Yeah. Now, I will say, of course, we didn't go to deacons meetings or anything like that. But if there was something that we could be part of that grandpa was part of, like I think of vacation Bible school, we didn't have the big you know, programs that you just grab. He would grab a kit or something, but yeah. he oftentimes would put it together himself. Guess who was helping? Sure. Absolutely. He had me right in the mix of that. But he brought you alongside with that, mm-hmm. right? You That was the thing you guys did together often. Mm-hmm. This wasn't. No, <laughs> and so right? therein lies that tension. Yeah. That, uh, so, yeah, we were asking earlier, how was your weekend? What was going on? There you go. There's a glimpse into mine <laughs> and what we're thinking about good living glimpse. in the tension. Mm-hmm. And it is a reality for, I know, a bunch of us. It is Don and Steve in the morning on Moody Radio.